everyone. Welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. As promised, after the little brief break, Matt and I are back in studio to finally discuss a little bit of more disaster film, in particular Poseidon Adventure. But first, uh, I'll say welcome to Matt. Thank you for joining me. I know you're a little, or just coming out from under the weather. Yeah, uh, my voice might sound a little different, but I'm all right. <laughs> I'm vertical. Glad. You're vertical. I wasn't earlier this week. I'm glad. Uh, I had a cold like that not that long ago. It's stuff that's going around, and yeah, it just hits you like a brick. Uh-huh. Was it uh, one of these things where it snuck up on you, or was it a slow burn? Mine was actually kind of like a slow burn. Like, I had I had lots of symptoms, but only one at a time. It's mm-hmm. like I had a really bad sore throat, then that went away. But then my head got really stuffed up, and that wouldn't go away forever. This snuck up on me more than anything because, you know, like when you get sick, you have that feeling of like, oh, I think I'm going to be sick tomorrow. Yeah. I didn't have that at all. I woke up with like my throat closed and congested and I go, is this allergies or is this a cold? Yeah. And then the next day I could barely move. <laughs> and I was like, so this is a cold. Yeah. And I just need to drink my weight and water. It almost sounds like a like a flu if, you're, if your muscles and everything were. Yeah. I, well, it was more of exhaustion. I didn't oh, okay, feel like sure. pain or anything. I just felt like I had no strength. And so I was like, okay, not going to work for at least half the week. <laughs> <laughs> Went back Thursday. Felt all right. Yeah, oh, good. I'm glad. Well, I tell you what, we do have some news stories. This first news story I thought was funny because uh, in a past episode, we told you where we thought we had a news story about George A. Romero, and it turned out to be an April Fool's prank. Well, there's no April Fool's this time, but there is a a George A. Romero news item here. Apparently, he is penning a new uh, zombie movie, and this one is called Road of the Dead which, get this, is about zombies that drive cars in some sort of NASCAR or demolition derby for the enjoyment of of rich socialites. I'm kind of behind that idea. <laughs> I don't know if I am or not. Uh, yeah. Uh, Romero finds a way to reinvent one idea and make it interesting. And, you know, it's, it's, he never does it the same way twice. Because uh, when we fell for that other one, we were both behind that idea. We were like, yeah, if anyone can kind of just say, hey, we should end the genre, it, you know, it could be him. Not that it would necessarily end, but you could look at it as his way of saying this is how it should end. And instead, that was a joke. But now he's coming out and saying, hey, I'm getting inspired by all of, like, you know, the fast cars, like Fast and the Furious and Mad Max and... I'm going to throw zombies into it because that's what he does. He, he, Like I said, zombies are the excuse, and he's going to tell you a story about something else. Yeah, maybe we should be surprised that it's taken, what, eight Fast and the Furious films before he finally... Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was Fury Road because <laughs> it sounds like it. It's almost like Fury Road of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, that would have been that would have been the title had it shown up on, like, Sci-Fi Channel or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> he's penning it along with uh, Matt Berman who's attached to direct it right now. And apparently Berman's been working with him on a, on a bunch of his last uh, few films, Survival yeah. of the Dead, Land of the Dead, uh, that sort of thing. So this is really a thing that there is, it's in production, or at least pre-production, I guess. I, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure they're not anywhere near doing any filming. They're still getting some script. 
it's just it's interesting i you know this is the romero zombie that have some amount of skill apparently we yeah. we 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 talked about that when we were looking at his uh dawn of the dead yeah. that you know they they could pick up a a club or they had some intelligence or something right. so there you go trained to drive cars yeah and though i never saw any of the other ones i i remember reading that like in each next movie the zombies always got a little bit smarter and could do more like there was one where they knew how to like like okay that door's closed they figured out how to go around or mm. go under because they were at least intelligent enough to do that yeah so zombies driving cars why not why not exactly exactly well we shall see you know I, like I said when I when I posted this to the Facebook group I was like it's not an April Fools but it still sounds like a joke but right. <laughs> I, I guess it's going to happen and uh, yeah I have to admit out of all of the uh, the more recent zombie films the idea of them racing cars for some reason makes me kind of want to see it <laughs> right I'll get behind that because so. you know you figure what there's a crash but it's a zombie so you know their limbs go flying but then they. They still hop out of the car. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, another uh, news story that just came up. This was a the first trailer was released for another CW superhero show. show. Uh, this one is Black Lightning. Now, um, I'm torn on this one. This is kind of where the thing where I really like the story and what the uh, the the trailer kind of gave an idea of what the story is about. I kind of like. I'm not sold on the look of the show. I'm not sold on the look on of Black Lightning. Yeah, like his costume. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's just because, you know, when a show, like, I heard it just got picked up to full series. So probably what we were seeing is everything in the pilot. Sure. Oh, yeah, I'm not, absolutely. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, you know, at the end of the episode, he makes some remark of like, I think the suit needs some upgrading because they know <laughs> it looks cheap and it looks mm. like, you know, Christmas lights almost and... The thing that kind of bums me is I was waiting because I heard they're working on a Black Lightning show. I'm like, cool, I'm behind that. I kept waiting, like, is it going to be part of the Arrowverse, the Arrow universe with Flash and Supergirl and Legends? It's not. Yeah. And that really bums me out. I love the crossover. I love the fact that they're all in one world that, you know, it's not necessarily about, hey, the big superhero team up, but it could just be about something like, hey, we need something. And they get in contact with a character from, a, you know, the other show, sure, not necessarily sure, sure. the main hero, but one of the backup or the, you know, secondary characters. And you you just see that constant mix. Instead, it's going to be its own thing. Maybe they'll kind of do what they did with Supergirl and just be like, well, we can jump to your universe. Right. That gets really messy. That They're already jumping to one universe. Flash is jumping to, like, 20 universes. Mm -hmm. And so to throw another one in the mix, like... Uh, I wish it was just part of one world. I didn't read a lot of news that goes along with it or anything, so I didn't actually see that. So it is existing in its own universe and not with any of the other CWs. As of right now, yeah. It's interesting because, yeah. I, honestly, I would have thought the best way to even boot something like this off would be sort of like a backdoor pilot kind of idea right. with him being introduced in one of the other shows yeah, and then moving on. Or even if, you know oh, the ratings aren't doing that well. Well, maybe next week uh, Green Arrow shows up and we bump it up a little bit. Yeah, and they can't I, do that now. Yeah, yeah. at least not as of right now. And I don't even know when it's going to air because I saw the list of their fall lineup and it wasn't on there. So I'm wondering if it's going to be a summer show or if it's going to be even later than that. Like, I, I don't think it's ready to go this summer. 
I don't know. With as Maybe. much of that looked like that was filmed, I mean, the trailer is, like you said, it looks like it's in the entire pilot. Right. Uh, at least a good portion of it. So you kind of get the impression they've got a, they got plenty in the can. It sure. seems like I mean, they wouldn't be showing the trailer. They wouldn't have just filmed the pilot, I guess is what I'm saying, okay. and then created a trailer. I'm guessing there's more than that in the can, uh, you know, ready to air. So right. I'm kind of surprised that they're hesitant on doing any kind of release date. Yeah, I haven't seen a release date, but they're not. It's not in the fall lineup. Um, so maybe it's a summer show, or maybe they're going to hold on to it because they probably expect at least one of their shows is going to crash and burn, and then they'll mm-hmm. be like, "Black Lightning's coming in that time slot." <laughs> I don't know. They make a lot of interesting choices over at the CW. They they know how to keep juggling, even though they keep dropping stuff. Yeah, I, I want to just talk a little bit about the uh, the synopsis that goes along with it and what we say, we see in the trailer is the idea that he is a superhero who his family life starts to really suffer because of his being a superhero. Yeah. And so he 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 set, he hangs it up, he retires. And then this uh this episode or this uh show kind of takes place about 10 years later where he's found other ways to kind of help his community. He becomes a principal at the local high school and just trying to teach kids to be a better people because there's a lot of gang violence mm-hmm. and everything in the neighborhood, raising a couple of daughters. Uh, and then I guess the violence gets out of hand and he realizes he's going to have to finally don the costume again to start cleaning up the streets, uh, just risking his entire family life. That's a great, I think that's a really neat sort of, um, it almost goes back to the old, you know, the, the Spider-Man idea that, that yeah. you have, you know, this, this one life and you have all these people in your life that you have to protect and you have to, but then you got it. You feel like you have this calling that you have to go out and protect the city. It's like, that's kind of cool. That's something you don't see with like Batman because Batman's just always Batman. He doesn't have a lot of these personal friends kind of life. It's more Batman. So I I like the idea. And like I said, it's just when I first saw it, I'm like, and he's got this, the the blue lightning glowing constantly in his outfit. I'm like, hmm. So stealth isn't going to be his thing. <laughs> I think I think the other problem is because, if memory serves, this was a character who was created in the 70s. Yes. Yeah. Who had a very 70s look to him. Hard to modernize that and yeah. still keep with its design. I want to remember, if he's anything like the old uh, Super Friends uh, cartoon, he was Kinda. a... It, it was Yeah, it was a black man in like a... Uh, a legless leotard with the big yellow lightning yep. down the front. Yeah. So how do you keep faithful to that but still bring it to the modern world without it looking a little horrid? Yeah. <laughs> but overall, yeah, I, I like that idea, too, of, of he, he can't help himself. He needs to still be this hero. He needs to take to the streets. But the other part that I liked was it hinted that one of his daughters might have the same powers as he does. Yeah, that's another thing that actually kind of confused me a little bit by watching the trailer because his costume is so prevalent. It's a lot with the glowing lights and the the, the plastic's kind of like, oh, that makes it look like his power comes from his costume. But then in the trailer, you got, no, he actually has the power, and I guess the costume helps him channel it or something. It just it was a little confusing. It gives you kind of like this false uh, idea of what kind of hero he is is he a mutant hero or a technological hero yeah that sounds like he might be a little bit of both yeah i think he's a little bit of both because when they were showing like the flashback he looked like he was just in like just spandex he mm-hmm. wasn't in any kind of techno thing because he had a bullet in him and you know he was injured and that's why he he gave it up because he almost died that night and he realized you know two young girls he had to raise and then it looks like he's made more of an armor 
yeah. that maybe enhances his abilities. So yeah, it's one part it. protective, one part I'm even stronger. There's a great photo that goes along with that article that's right there. I was just looking at the looking at it, and I'm thinking, you know what? Though with I'm looking at this, and if you just kind of it, it tones down a little bit of the glow that you yeah. see, and I'm like, why not just have white lightning streaks on it instead of the glowing right. clear the plastic? The light up, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping maybe they tone switched. it down. Yeah, that that would be nice. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, I'm curious to see it. It is going to be on the CW, so that's going to be you know there for everyone to see. I'm sure it'll be what might not be in the universe of, but it'll be in the lineup along with uh, Arrow and Flash and Supergirl and everybody. So, yeah. so whenever it comes out, you know, we'll I'll, I'll check it out. Now, this last story just came up just this past week, and I knew it was something that you and I were going to have to talk about because you have mentioned before that you are a huge Supernatural fan. Yeah. Now, going into the – I can't believe that this show is going into the, what, 13th season? This is a show that when it went into its first season, mid-season break, they threw out all of, like, their B-roll because they didn't think they were coming back. Oh, my goodness. And now it's going into season 13. This is the ultimate little show that could story. And I agree with so many people. It probably should have ended a while ago. (laughs) But I'm at the point now where I'm like, just keep going. You just want to see how long it goes? Just keep (laughs) going. I don't care. And they – go ahead. You break what this news is. This is wonderful news. Well, this is pretty awesome. Apparently, in the thirteenth, sometime in the thirteenth, thirteenth season, the supernatural is going to do a crossover with Scooby Doo, fully animated, animated, an animated episode with the Scooby Gang. Yes, <laughs> and that might sound like some terrible gimmick. Some we've run out of ideas. They do a gimmick at least once a year, and every time they do. Those episodes are among their best and funniest because this is a funny show at Mm -hmm. times. Like when it first came out, it was marketed as horror. I never thought it was scary. I thought it was interesting characters who could be funny. And then by the time the second season came around, they really started to embrace that humor. That kind of like when the X-Files was at its best kind of humor. And they did an episode. The really first funny episode was... And it was an episode of The X-Files like this, of both guys were telling the same story from their point of view. And in the middle of their story, one brother is making the other brother look like an idiot. (laughs) And then it's like, that didn't happen that way. Like, I put one peanut in my mouth, and he's got his mouth full of them. And it's like, that's a gimmick, and it was really good. Third season, they did a Groundhog Day episode. It was really good because it wasn't just the days repeating. It's one brother keeps dying and the days repeating. And every time the brother dies, the younger brother wakes up to Asia's heat of the moment on the radio (laughs) rather than Sonny and Cher. And so the brother dies, heat of the moment. He's trying to keep him protected. He dies, heat of the moment. And it just kept looping like that. And they did this great montage of showing the older brother, Dean, dying like 10 times in a row. Mm -hmm. It was hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> and then they did an episode where they discover there are books written about Sam and Dean who go hunting monsters. Super meta. They made it a really important part of the show. They Not only do they do these gimmicks, they figure out a clever way to interweave them into their lore. They did an episode where they get transported to a world where there's a show called Supernatural. Oh, I heard about that And one. everyone's calling them Jared and Jensen, and they're looking around of like, 
My name's Jensen. That's a stupid name. <laughs> and it's really funny stuff. So when I heard about this, at first I was like, they're going to do that. Of course they're going to do that. They, they'll knock it out of the park. They do it every time. So I have total faith in this because, you know what, they're going to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. They're two goofball guys. They're going to embrace every aspect of Scooby-Doo. They're going to do, like, they're going to do the musical video part. They're going to do the running <laughs> through the doors. They, you know, there's going to be something where, like, the gang all piles into the Impala. They're going to be so funny with it, and I can't wait. All right. I, it might be Supernatural is a series that I, 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 I never picked up, and now, my God, apparently I'm 12 seasons behind. So yes. I don't know if I'm going to be picking it up anytime soon. It sounds like I really owe it to myself to try to get through some of these. It has its highs and its lows, mm-hmm. as does like any genre show that does 22 episodes a season. But its highs are really high. It has a lot of heart, and it's carried by the fact that those two guys care about each other, about the show. And I've heard a lot of interviews of, of other actors, some well-known, some just you know journeyman character actors, who have come on to the show, and one person said, you know, you can tell a lot about the show based on the crew mm-hmm. and the happiness and the morale of the crew, and if they're all on edge or if they're all angry, probably means this isn't a, a fun set to work on. Right. They, ev- all of them have said they're all smiling, they're all laughing, they're all pulling jokes on each other, and it's because of the two leads of Jared and Jensen, because they're pranksters, they mess with everybody, people mess with them back. When they prank a guest, it's because they like them, and it's just—it's a fun show with a lot of heart. And I am so ready for the Scooby Doo crossover. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, re- regardless of whether I watch uh, or catch up or anything, I think I will watch that episode at least just because I'm a huge Scooby Doo fan. So there you go. <laughs> this is the, this is my gateway into Supernatural. <laughs> and the other thing is. Their characters are really funny. Like, I could even see Dean's character just being like, we're scrappy. I'm going to shoot him in the head. Oh, yeah, please. You know, that would I, make me happy. That, I'm sure <laughs> they'll do something like that or mention something like that. I'm sure his character will hit on Daphne. I was going to say, there's got to be some little jealousy with, like, Fred and, uh, and one of the guys with yeah. like Daphne there. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sure there'll be a part where one of them goes over to, to Shaggy and be like, you got the good stuff. Like, <laughs> they'll go, they'll think of every joke that you could probably think of. Well, we'll wait for that. I don't think that has a – it's sometime going to be in the next season. So whenever that is, I'm sure you'll let me know. Uh, <laughs> Scooby-Doo happened. Scooby-Doo happened. It's going to happen. So, yeah, so that's all, the, that's all the news. Nothing really groundbreaking, I guess. Other one, maybe Supernatural. That's pretty big news for some, <laughs> some of us. Uh, let's go ahead and take a short break and get another promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we are going to go and take a journey on the Poseidon. I'm Mike White. And I'm Rob St. Mary. And we're the hosts of the Projection Booth Podcast. If you haven't heard of the Projection Booth, that's okay. But we think it's time that you have. We've been doing this for over three years now. And we think we're doing a pretty good show. Every week we look at a different film and put it in context. We try to bring you interviews with the people behind the films. Or experts on a subject matter covered in the film. We don't specialize in any one particular genre or type of film. We try to examine every aspect of cinema. From every corner of the globe. Even at three years, we barely just scratched the surface. 
us, but we're ready. We're ready for you to listen to us. That's right. Now's the time to give us a shot. Download us through our free smartphone app. Or through Stitcher, iTunes, Geek Juice Radio, Jackalope. Or our website. Projection-booth.com. We'll keep making great shows. Now it's your turn to listen to them. of New Year's Eve, the SS Poseidon, en route from New York to Athens, was struck by a 90-foot tidal wave. Oh, my God. And capsized. Irwin Allen's production of The Poseidon Adventure. people on board, only a handful will survive. This is their story. That's the way out. That's our only chance. Don't listen to him! Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Red Buttons, Carol Lindley, Roddy McDowell, Stella Stevens, Shelley Winters, Jack Albertson, Pamela Sue Martin, Arthur O'Connell, Eric Shea, and Leslie Nielsen. Who will survive? Fine talents of 15 Academy Award winners bring you The Poseidon Adventure, a Ronald Neem film coming from 20th Century Fox. All right, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, Poseidon Adventure from 1972. Uh, right off the bat, I need to kind of correct myself. When we were talking with Floyd and everything, I was mentioning that I didn't think that the stars in the film were really like the, the big draw stars. I, mean, I couldn't be more wrong. I went back and looked. <laughs> Gene Hackman had just finished, uh, just come off the French Connection, which is, you know, Academy Award winning French Connection. And I started listening to a little bit of the uh, commentary that is one of the commentaries that's on the DVD that I was looking at uh, the film. It was with the director, and even the director said that he kind of felt like Gene felt like he was slumming it a little bit for oh. not being on Poseidon Adventure and really? coming from the French Connection. He said he actually got that impression from a few of the actors. They really felt like they were just, oh, I'm on, on this silly B picture or something like wow. that. Yeah, I didn't know they looked at it that way. Yeah, it was that, that was an interesting insight. Uh, not that it actually shows with any of them no. on, on screen. They all give 100%. Absolutely. So I do just wanted to correct myself on that, that, yes, apparently Gene Hackman was a big name to be have to have in your film. Sure. And uh, so my mistake there. I just kind of had a little bit of the uh, the – timeline maybe <laughs> confused with uh, gene hackman yeah gene hackman does head the uh, the cast he is the star of the film but he is not really he does not overshadow the rest of the cast no it is a strong cast um even the minor roles are still strong actors i mean doing fantastic work um the least of which is ernest borgnine i yeah. love him in this film he's so good he is so awesome um, this had been, I wanted to ask you, how long has it been since the last time you watched this film? Well, I, I just rewatched it to refresh my memory, but before that, maybe four or five years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So fairly it, recent, a little bit more recently than I have. Yeah. Um, it's one of those movies that every so often will get stuck in my head just because it, it's a wonder, it's a character piece, mm -hmm. you know, it, the, the, the ship flipping over is the excuse to see this great character piece. 
and I'll just be like, I gotta go watch that again because it's just it's it's to me it's a master's course in a character piece, and I love it. I think it's probably been more like ten or fifteen years since I've watched oh, wow. it. It's been a while. Um, it's one I've seen a couple times. I don't remember why I watched it the first time. I think it was just one of these things where I've heard about it and I maybe I've seen a joke or two like at its expense or the uh like well you know something about something being upside down and someone will make a crack about the beside okay whatever they probably picked up the vhs and watched it or is on tv and i just was curious to see it yeah and then i watched it again i want to say maybe 10 15 years ago just because like you it's just something that it just you just start thinking about it yeah. and you're like oh, i think i'll watch it again um this time around i forgot how enjoyable of a film it is to watch it sounds silly to sort of say that about a disaster film but you sit there the whole time just enjoying the hell out of it right i mean i feel i could have enjoyed this movie even if it wasn't a disaster film it was just yeah. about watching these characters as the boat has to pull in a port ever, you know <laughs> i mean even the the because the disaster happens pretty quick it happens like 20 about minutes 20 minutes in, takes and... a little longer than i remember i th- actually in my in my mind's eye, I've, I've thought it was like literally credits roll and boats flipping over. <laughs> five minutes later, the boats flipped. But no, yeah. there's about 20, 25 minutes yeah. before we actually get to the the main point. You know, right. the first, yeah. And I think what's good is you don't know who. Like, if you were just told, okay, this is a movie about a cruise liner flipping over in the middle of the ocean, and a bunch of the passengers have to survive. As the movie starts, you have no idea which of those. You're thinking, who, who's going to survive? All of them? Are we going to watch all of these people? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see the chaplain? Are we going to see the purser? Are we going to see the captain? Are we going to see the guy who's representing the owner of the boat? You see all of these different interesting characters, and then a lot of them just get killed off right in front of yeah. you, and you get nothing else from them. And I loved Leslie Nielsen's take on the the captain he was sure. really good oh he was fantastic like yeah. you said i mean you know he goes into the comedy road you know here in just a few years actually yeah. from this and i think he had a he had a line in this movie that i think you could look at and say that was his transition because they know the tidal wave's coming they see it on the radar mm-hmm. he knows he was right in what his decision was, but the guy, the, the I guess it was like a lawyer. Yeah, or, some sort of executive. Yeah, uh, yeah. who's telling him go Representative full, of yeah, the uh, owner. Yeah. Go full steam ahead. He's like, we don't have enough palace. Well, then we're going to relieve you of your position. So he's caught between a rock and a hard place. And all of that, and he turns and he goes, by the way, Happy New Year. <laughs> I love that line. It's so funny. It's just like, you know you're about to die, and you're throwing that to, like, your, your first mate or whatever mm-hmm. he was. I just love that. It was such, like, a Frank Drevin kind of line. Yeah. And I, 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 I completely forgot about it till I watched it the other night, and I just started – I paused it, and I started laughing. I go, that's ridiculous. <laughs> He's looking at the radar. You see that big line. By the way, Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is – he was a dramatic actor through most of his career until uh, going into the late 70s. I think Airplane was kind of his big – comedic uh, uh, debut yeah or uh, and then it from there yeah the police squad and uh, the uh, naked gun naked gun series of films and then uh, dracula dead and loving it and everything. mr magoo mr magoo he's the reason to watch mr magoo <laughs> yeah well if there's any reason to watch any film <laughs> with, it's, leslie nielsen. It's with leslie nielsen it's leslie nielsen so 
Yeah, but you're talking about all the different characters that you you meet in the first 25 minutes of these films. And yeah, you know that there's going to be a disaster. You know there's people that are going to die, and you don't know who it is. And what's great, and the way that every one of these characters, and because of the you know the actors that who they are, and the stories, the kind of backstories that they're given, every single one of them, you think this is going to be a good story. Which whoever right. it is, there's going to be a good story if these are one of the survivors. Yep. There's no wasted performance. There's no wasted character. One exception. Yes. Robin. Yes. <laughs> I hate that kid. The kid was... He is the worst part of this movie. He is the one I kept thinking, fall down and drown, drown and die. Someone just kick him and leave him in the water. No, don't rescue him. That was the one thing that stuck out with me with this rewatch that I, I, I think I purposely erased from my memory. Uh, I didn't remember the kid. He is the one. Of, it, it, yeah, he is the black spot on an otherwise perfect movie. And he's got to be that kid that, oh, I know everything about the boat. Right. Oh, God. Why couldn't one, someone else survive? It's yeah. one part. His face, it's three parts. His voice is just grating. His lines are terrible. I've never heard someone say the word sis so many times <laughs> in an hour and a half. He is annoying to no end, and he's the one thing you could kick out. I like, and you know, Ernest Borg- Borgnine's character in many, many, many times throughout the film is saying the same thing, yet we're thinking watching it. You're just going to listen to this kid? Right. <laughs> I mean, it turns out the kid is right somehow because he's been talking with the chief engineer. He's apparently had just run of the ship, but he's talking to the crew of the, of the boat right. and find out all these fantastic facts that he actually remembers, which I find hard to believe. I've got a son about the same age that I, he doesn't remember what he did at school that day <laughs> when I ask him in the afternoon. So this kid isn't going to remember this stuff. I feel like you could come up with a theory that, the kid sabotaged the boat somehow, <laughs> running around like no one suspects me. Ha ha. Yeah. If it weren't for the fact that the rest of the cast and the rest of the story is so strong, I think it would ruin the film, honestly. Yeah. It really would. It would really take it down to just a notch to be this annoying, crummy picture with, with, this it, with extra the extra annoying kid. Yeah. Fortunately, we've got the likes of Gene Hackman and Ernest Borgnine. Shelley Winters, we haven't mentioned yet. She's, She's fantastic. She's so good. Um, she apparently, she was saying that she actually um, put on extra weight. She thought that the character should be bigger. more heavy, so it'd be bigger. I guess she was written to be bigger, so she put on this extra weight, and she said she could never get rid of it. Huh. <laughs> she was pretty much like this the rest of her life. She could never get rid of the Poseidon pounds. Bummer. <laughs> Poor woman. Still a great actress. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I love that scene when she's under the water mm-hmm. rescue. It's her. It's her. And that's amazing that they're filming that completely underwater. And she just, when she dives in, she vanishes into the water. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, like, see her legs kick or anything. Like, she committed to that dive. No part of her acting is really fake. Like, she no. does everything. Nothing that these people go through is really fake. I mean, honestly, it's a disaster film, but... And there's only a few people, the characters die and everything. But you listen about the production, about this film, and what they went through. It's amazing that they actually didn't die. I mean, <laughs> right. they're walking by real open flames. and Yeah. Yeah. And they put, for the most part, what you see, all the stunts were performed by the actors. Right. Uh, the very few uh, actual like stunt doubles or, or anything. If you the friend underwater, it's, it's the actors. If they're hanging from some cable or or whatever that's the actor yeah. uh, amazing work and uh, i like that they um 
a lot of thought went into it because they knew they were going to have this group of people that you know start out in their in their finest. It's New Year's Eve; they're all wearing you know tuxedos or suit and tie and everything. And they know that by the end they have to get them through this boat that's been capsized. There's going to be danger and water, so they filmed all their sequences in order. Yeah. So their costumes would progressively get more torn up and yeah. dirty, and so and like. That's an amazing amount of effort to go into just for a little bit of continuity right. that you could have easily mm-hmm. probably just written off. Right. Again, it's one of the things that saves it from being a rotten film. If you had a rot- if you had this annoying kid and somebody's shirt sleeve that kept ripping and unripping throughout the <laughs> scenes, <laughs> you'd put it on like an MST3K exactly. At that point. Yeah. Like, oh great, the kid's talking again. Yeah. But they don't. But they that's one of the things, that, the effort that goes into the rest of the film. It just pulls it above all of that and, and saves it. Yeah, absolutely. For me, my favorite scene is right after the boat's flipped and they've got to get up the tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that part. I almost felt like the cameras never stopped rolling. Mm-hmm. Like, even though there's cuts and everything, and clearly they must have, there's something about the buildup of that scene. Because you're just wondering to yourself, so who's going up the tree? And this is the part where you pick your, your main cast. Right. Because I thought it was funny that you see like eight men lift the tree. Most of them don't go up. Yeah, it. but like, only two of them climb it. Yeah. And and the tension builds in that scene. And then they're just sort of like, all right, I guess it's just us. And then, boom, explosion. And the water's coming in. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to save as many as he can. He doesn't get a single one of them. Right. And that part where he closes the door. Mm-hmm. He does not want to close that door, but he knows he has to. And he turns around and everyone has, is mortified. And I feel you could have been silent for five straight minutes and I wouldn't have been like, like you know, had a problem with that because that tension was just so stretched then. That scene, um, the scene of the, the flipping in the ballroom. Yeah. Was, it, it's one of cinema's best uh, scenes. Apparently they actually had the set rigged so it could go at i think they said like a 45 degree angle wow uh so it was a mix of actors pretending that it's tilting and it actually tilting <laughs> and then i think they said it was it was built so like the 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 ceiling and the floor were effectively almost mirrors of each other so when they after the flip quote unquote they could just they didn't have to change all that much in order to create the illusion that it's now upside down wow so, so again, so much thought going into this thing. Uh, but it's a fantastic scene because, again, for the most part, it's your actors that are throwing themselves across this, this set and crashing into things. Some fantastic stunt work by you know, guys hanging off tables that are now yeah. on the ceiling <laughs> and falling. The, the fantastic, the classic uh, scene of the one guy falling through the skylight. Yes. <laughs> or, uh, is, it, it's, it, it's an amazing scene. I mean, you could just... There are times where I think I want to watch the Poseidon Adventure just so I can watch that scene, and then I could probably just shut it off again. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, except I'd get pulled in and I'd keep watching anyway. And it's funny to me because they do so much there, and there's other parts where you're like, "Oh, that's a little cheap." Like there's parts where you're like, "That's a toy boat." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and or like when they take the first look at the tidal wave, and I'm like. That's just like a ten foot wave off yeah. the coast somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it, breaking. It, it's like cresting. Tidal, yeah. yeah, tidal waves don't do that. No. <laughs> they just keep going. But it looks more dramatic that it, way. I think they thought it looked more dramatic. Yeah. So it's funny how on one hand you have these really cheap 
just take whatever stock footage we can find moments and then you have all this thought put into a set mm -hmm. and it's like somehow they made it work well and i think there was a certain amount of limitations to what they could do obviously they can create sets that look like they're upside down and then they can actually tilt us you know a, a stage or whatever with hydraulics or, or however they did it that's mechanically possible you can't put a real ocean liner in a in the sea and have it washed by a real tidal wave. Why not? <laughs> you can do it now. Okay. <laughs> you can do it now with with CGI and all of your computers, but you couldn't do it then. I do appreciate though. That I thought this was really cool, and again, a little bit of thought. And I think it, it's what saves it for me. Yes, you're looking at a toy boat throughout, but it's throughout. <laughs> The, from the yeah. from the opening credits, when you see that ship going through the water, and every time you see the exterior of the ship, it it's is a same. scale model. Yeah. It's a scale model of the Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. And they never go back and forth, right. which I think would have hurt, because I think you would have noticed, because the scale would suddenly be off with the water. Um, there are times where you see the water come up, and it practically swamps this poor boat. <laughs> <laughs> and And... But it, but it, it's okay. It works for me. Yeah. And the fact that they kept it and they decided, okay, every time we show the exterior, it's gonna be this scale model. Right. I think that helps. It, it works. It at least keeps it again with continuity. Yes. And it doesn't throw you out when you know. Okay, we shot this in a, in a tub on film. Then we shot this. This is stock footage, and like, oh boy, there's a difference there. Yeah. Right. So I really appreciated that. I like that they did that. The model apparently was so precise. It's actually in a museum somewhere now. Oh, is it really? Because it's an actual museum of the Queen Mary. Okay. And then the exterior um, shots where the people are on deck, that's the actual Queen Mary as well. All right. But um, again, the director did a brilliant thing there too. Whenever you see people out on deck, if you look really close, you'll see the camera never sits still. There's yeah. a constant, like, a mm -hmm. rock back and forth or whatever. And he says, you know, the Queen Mary is securely, like, concreted in. It doesn't move. Mm. <laughs> so they did that just to give you that, that little subtle sensation of being out on the water. Yeah. Really neat. I just loved it. Yeah, the I The more I learn that. about this film, the more I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it does have a lot of details like that. And it, which is funny to me that, you know, when you said that some of the actors felt like they were in this B movie, that B movie never put that much thought and effort before. No, no. Um, and like I said, none of them show it or act like it. They give a hundred percent. Um, they, uh, they do the best you, that you can do. The characters that are given to them, most of them are really good. I do think you know the Gene Hackman, the, uh, the 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 preacher character, is almost a little too perfect. I mean, he's a good-looking guy; everyone likes him. He's got this great attitude, and it's like, wow, you know that. I just don't know if people like that really exist. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I guess it's okay. You have to have your hero for the picture. Yeah, you have to have someone that's going to take the charge and 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 lead these people out. And he feels like this is it's his duty. And then there are the times when he doesn't save somebody, and you know he he takes he, it he so takes, personally. Yeah, absolutely, and it really hurts him. And I'm like, wow, okay, so maybe you're not quite as perfect, or maybe that's just part of your perfectness. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like that part where he's trying to find, like I really like this part. It's like they've you had a bunch of action sequences. You know, the rooms filling up with water. They're in the tunnels. Mm -hmm. Acres falls and dies. And then they did this really smart thing of taking a break from all that action 
and then they're like, all right, he's going to go. He's, give him 15 minutes to see if he can find the engine room. Everybody scavenge and find some things. And he takes that moment where he sits down and he's not sure he can find the engine room. Mm -hmm. And he's almost in tears. And the sister comes up behind him and she calls to him and he doesn't answer her right away. He just, he almost has this look on his face of like, just go away. Mm -hmm. I need a moment. <laughs> and then he puts on the strong face because he realizes, because that's kind of how I started to interpret his character of, he doesn't know everything, but they need him to think, think he, he does, does. Uh -huh. and so that's what he does for them. Yeah, I think if you look at it that way, you can kind of forgive the perfectness about yeah. him or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about how the character himself, you know, takes every death personally. I mean, he takes this group of people under his charge. Uh, the scene in the tunnel when the one guy with the, the explosion rocks the ship again and he falls mm -hmm. and. Um, Ornus Bergnine's character, um, Rogo, Rogo, dies in, tries to save, but can't find him. And when they all get back out, you know, he's like, "Well, where's like, was it Acres? Yeah, you know, it was a. I think that was the uh, Roddy McDowell uh, yes. character. He says, "Where is he?" He's like, "Oh, he he fell. He's gone." And he blows up at Rogo. He's yeah. like, "You're supposed to watch him. You're supposed to, you know." He takes it out on Rogo that this poor guy, you know, fell and 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 died, because you know this is the one time that he left one of these people in someone else's. Uh, care and they failed him right. kind of thing. I was like, actually, the, any scene between him and Rogo were great. Yeah, and I like that part where he goes, you know, we're we're two of a kind, and you don't like looking at yourself. <laughs> and I think that's why he puts so much pressure on Rogo to do yeah. everything. Of like, you can be better. You can be just as good and just as confident and just as right as I am. But do as I say. Um. Rogo is just a brilliant character. He's like a, a retired police detective or mm -hmm. something like that who's got an ex-prostitute as a wife, which is just a great pairing. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> she complains about, you, you kept arresting me. He's like, I had to find someone to keep you off the street yeah. until you marry me. <laughs> the whole movie could have been about the two of them it arguing in the cabin, it really and it would have been a great have. movie. Um, yeah, and I like that part of their relationship because it, they did such a good job of introducing you to these characters and learning mm -hmm. everything you need to know about them, one scene each. Yeah. And quick scenes, too. And when, I, when you learn that about him, you learn that he's not like this high and mighty law and order cop. Mm -hmm. He saw a woman that he fell in love with, and he kept arresting her because that was his way of going on a date with her. Right. And <laughs> he finally convinced her to marry him, and he loves her. He genuinely loves her. And you just learn that, yeah, on one hand, he's a cop, and on the other hand, he's a person. And it all mixes really well. I think the best moment between the two of them, uh, she thinks she recognizes somebody on the boat, yes. one, of the, one, of the, uh, one of the crewmen mm -hmm. or something. And she's like, doesn't it bother you even a little? And he's like, if it bothered me, I wouldn't have married you. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's like, that is Wonderful brilliant. Moment. And it's like just between the two of them. And it's like so heartful. You just go, oh. Exactly. <laughs> we, and then you forgive all of his like, you know, stubbornness later yeah, because you of really that. Yeah, <laughs> you really do. Because you know this guy is just. He's a sweetheart. He's an absolute sweetheart. Yeah. And you even feel it. No, I, you know, I guess no spoilers in 1972. But, you know, not everyone makes it out alive. Right. And um, he loses his wife at almost at the end she makes it almost they, they're at the finish line they're at the finish line and she 
uh, falls to her death, yeah. and he just he breaks down. I mean, we almost don't get Rogo. Pretty much is ready to stop there too. Yeah, because of it, and you just you really feel for him. The thing about that scene that I didn't notice until I rewatched it, they did a really good job of completely misdirecting you because that's the scene right after Shelley Winter's character dies mm-hmm. and her husband stays with her. And at first I'm, you're thinking, is he going to join them? Is he just saying he's going to follow along? Right. And then he finally does. And he's like six steps behind everyone. Right. And he looks so fragile and so vulnerable. You expect him to be next. You think he's next. Mm-hmm. And you are not thinking about anyone else being in danger other than him. Because yeah. they show everyone up at the catwalk, and he's just getting to the stairs. Right. And he going doesn't across. know how they got up to the right. catwalk. And That's where I'm thinking this is where he's, he's going to go. He's going to take a wrong turn. Yeah. Or an explosion is going to happen. It's just this frail old man. And then she falls. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I didn't see that coming <laughs> at all. And, like, we just had a big death. And I thought that old man was a goner. <laughs> and we just took out probably the loudest one of the group. Mm-hmm. She was, I mean, as loud as Gene Hackman was, as loud as Ernest Borgnine was, she was right there with them. Oh, yeah. And I love uh, Rogo's reaction that, you know, he turns his anger towards the Reverend. You know, you killed her. Yeah. You're the one that drug us down here. You're responsible. You killed her. Oh, just powerful. I mean, it's all powerful. Every single thing about this film is powerful. Right. And again, it's, it's, it's the actors behind it. I don't think... I think if you just had this story and you had different actors, it just wouldn't have worked. I mean, this really was a really great mixture of a good story and just the perfect cast. Yeah, which history has proven because they've tried to remake this movie. Yeah, and true. No one cares about no, those. No, you, they're forgettable. I mean, yeah. I, I think I saw one of them. And I haven't I, seen them. <laughs> I don't remember anything about right. it. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh, the rest of the cast is just as good. I mean, they're fantastic people. Red Buttons is in here. He is just the sweetest little guy. Yes. He is just so sweet. We haven't talked about him, but some of the rest of the supporting cast. Yeah, him Him and his uh, relationship with Nani was so good. I want it, yeah, I, I just have, like, like fanfic in my head and think, oh, they went off together. You know, they stayed together, you know, uh, or well, something. We'll get to it. I want to ask you, what, of, of the remaining six, okay. like, what happens to them, what you think <laughs> happens to them. Right, but, right, yeah, right. before that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, Nani is uh, Carol Lindley, who's mm. one of the most beautiful people that have ever been on film. I yes. Think. She is just fantastic to look at, and she is so sweet. And um, her relationship, even though her brother wasn't paid enough to have any lines, yeah. <laughs> you still actually really get a um, a really strong tie, you know, an idea of the relationship between her and her brother. Yeah. And then when she she does a fantastic job when, you know, the realizations of certain things hit her. Yeah, the um, shock is wearing off. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, Martin, Red Buttons, mm-hmm. who, who takes her. He's like, your brother's dead. Yeah. And you, her face, it just falls. Because it's kind of one of these things that, you know, at every, at every point I think she knows, but she's denying it. Sure. And then it, it takes someone to actually point it out mm-hmm. that she no longer can deny it. And it just comes across her face so well. And you even, you know, if you're a person that's um, easy to tear, I mean, it could happen a few times in this film. Yeah. And, yeah, every time they have a big scene together, like another layer is kind of being peeled back on on her character of of 
more of it sinking in Mm -hmm. the part where they're in the shaft and she's petrified and she won't move and he's got to slowly convince her to go up each rung of the ladder and you've got rogo going come on move it what is this a coffee break and he goes please mr rogo like she's not gonna move if you yell at her i I think he's great because he's built up as this being kind of this meek he's an older you uh-huh. know, he, he's never been married he's like he's a bachelor but he's got this kind of odd lifestyle he does he does all his pills and yep. everything oh this one's for memory and this one's for this and and it, it's a typical sort of like 70s um you expect him you want to come up to my you know my apartment and see my oil paintings kind of right. thing you yes know? um but he's 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 kind of meek he's small he's thin but I think he's one of the stronger people of the group yeah. because he can hold it together because of what he does for Donnie. He doesn't know this girl. No. Never met her before until this night. And he takes her under his wing and helps her through all of this. And I think that's just brilliant. Yeah. You know? And you see him also step in when Reverend Scott and Rogo are going at it. He mm-hmm. does it a few times and he's just sort of like, Let's calm down. Yeah. Like he's not just like this weak guy in the back. He's the voice of reason mm-hmm. multiple times. Uh, we mentioned Rodney McDonald. We uh, didn't say a lot about his character. Plays Scottish or something for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> which was, maybe he was bored that day. <laughs> I don't know. I just it, I didn't. I'm going to play that. it Scottish. Yeah, yeah. like that. Not <laughs> your accent. Where did that come from? <laughs> uh, Stella Stevens is a Rogo's wife. Plays yes. Rogo's wife there. Uh, she's brilliant wonderful honestly so funny too the part where um where reverend scott is just like you know that dress is gonna have to come off and rogo's like she doesn't have anything on under there <laughs> just panties what else do i need <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she doesn't care she's got no she's she honestly probably if if this could have been like an r-rated she would have just stripped off and sure. just gone gone the whole route naked they'll yeah. redo that eventually one day they'll yeah. make her half naked throughout the movie yeah but as the type of character she was she wouldn't care you know right. this is this is life and death and she doesn't have any humility yeah i mean come on whatever yeah <laughs> she's been there before she's been there people have seen me naked <laughs> uh apparently sue martin plays the older sis mm-hmm. play sis hey it's sis oh. hey sis She's great. She's fantastic. He could have been kicked in the teeth. I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> She's adorable. I've always uh, had a, a kind of a thing for her. I used to, through the 70s, she was uh, Nancy Drew in the Nancy Drew uh, Hardy oh, Boys really? Mysteries. Okay. Uh, so I used to watch her uh, on some TV movies and stuff through the Nancy Drew series. So I've always loved Pamela Sue Martin, so it's, it was always great to see her. Um, yeah, and Eric Shea is Robin, who did not go on to do a lot of acting after this. Good. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, I think that's uh, we, we, there's a few other some character actors and stuff that people, if you watch a lot of the older films from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you might recognize. Uh, Arthur O'Connell is the uh, chaplain who's the friend of the uh, of the Reverend. Uh, he's a familiar face again for some of these films. Uh, there was another one, uh, Robert Hastings, who is a uh, I think he's one of the ship uh, one of the crewmen of the ship. Um, oh no, he's the MC at the party. At that oh, party. Yeah. He's the MC again, real minor role, but he's a face that if you watch some of the films from the seventies or television, you know, he's just a character actor, a lot of faces you'll, you'll recognize. So it's a lot of, it's kind of fun for, uh, for just doing that. But yeah, the main cast, I think we've all talked about now. And then there's Jack Albertson who's playing Mr. Rosen. And oh, I think, I think the only movie absolutely. anyone knows him in is 
Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Right, that's right. <laughs> he's Grandpa he's the, Joe he's, in that. Yeah, but I was going to say the Grandpa of the Dead, right. He is so good. The, his relationship, or the character between him and Shelley Winter. I felt like they were married for 50 they years. They were married. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't care yeah. what it actually says in the history books or whatever. Uh-huh. Those two were a couple. <laughs> those, <laughs> well, like, those two were an old Jewish couple. <laughs> right, and the part where they're clo- you know. Uh, going through the tunnel and she finally goes man are you behind me where else would i be (laughs) i love like they're still kind of having that old couple bickering even though they're probably gonna die (laughs) yes it there were just maybe it was just because of him because how he plays it's like why were they an old jewish couple you know what does that add but for some reason it just works it totally works and you just it just makes sense to mm-hmm. you when you're watching this film. You're like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's who they are. <laughs> and she's trying to, you know, be the matchmaker for people. She's yes. talking about, you know, Martin and, oh, you just need to find a girl. And, you know, <laughs> of course, she's sitting between two beautiful women. Again, right. Again, extras. No lines between them or anything. But they're actually beautiful women. He's sitting between them. I'm like, you're a dog. You're going to go home, are you? <laughs> Come on. I don't know about you. I think we talked about your favorite scenes uh, that definitely – I mean, it's hard to just really pick one scene because yeah. there are so many fantastic scenes. Some are sad scenes, some are happy scenes, some are just exciting, you know. Uh, uh, the other scene I really like is when they have to go up the upside down stairs mm. and the water starts coming in. Yeah. And they're just like, move it. Like, <laughs> move, move, move. Yeah. Uh, that's just, it's just one of those moments of just the tension, you know, because it's not so much the plot is showing up. It's just the the danger is there the disaster is right behind you well they have to occasionally remind people that it isn't just about them getting to the top of the boat there's a reason they need to get to the top of the boat yeah. because the water is rising you right. have to remind people that every now Boat's and again that down. there is still a threat yeah right. it's not just that it flipped over it's going to be completely underwater in a few hours mm-hmm. and yeah that's just one of those scenes of like because the water is the monster yeah and there's a few times that it gets them i'm surprised they never did a moment where it did get somebody it's always the rushing got them or the explosion got them, but nobody ever got swept away mm-hmm. in the water. Yeah, I actually would have. It is surprising. It could have been Robin. Would have loved it if yeah. it was Robin. It is surprising that it was never a scene where it was someone that was just on the other side of the bulkhead that couldn't make it out in time. Yeah. Or maybe that they they realized they weren't and they shut the door to save everybody else kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One of those scenes. Then there wasn't. You really expected to. There wasn't a whole lot of. There was talk of self-sacrifice yeah and eventually we do get a self-sacrifice but maybe that's that's why that didn't happen is maybe because you needed it at that very end Mm -hmm. for the you know the big hitch in the gut moment kind of thing it's just the one thing of no subtle drownings right (laughs) the water is the danger and the water is the one thing that never gets them Mm -hmm. so then to go back to my question of the six who survive of rogo mr rosen martin and nani Susan and Robin. What do you think happens to each of them? Well, I definitely think was a uh, Susan uh, the uh, the sister. Yes. Yeah. Susan and Robin, they go off and meet their parents who are. I mean, they were on their way to meet their parents who were already apparently in Europe. Or were they going to Europe? Or are they going to New York? I, I think they're going to Europe. They're yeah. going to Europe. Their parents were already there for some reason, and they were going to meet them. So obviously, you know, they get on the helicopter and they they're rescued, and their parents are relieved and. They live their lives and have a story to tell. You know, Robin goes to show and tell, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think their lives are you know pretty normal uh, from that point on. Uh, 
Rogue is a tough one. I think he is probably going to have the life hardest to get back to. Uh, he is definitely going to, you know, he's going to go home and the wife that he absolutely loved isn't going to be there. And there's going to be memories of that wife everywhere. I think he's out of every, every survivor. He's the one that is probably actually not going to survive um, and live a normal life mm-hmm. from that point on. Uh, Mr. Rosen, I think, will have his family. They're going to, he, they were going uh, to, I think they were going back to Israel uh, mm-hmm. to see uh, their kids and their grandkids. Yeah. Um, so he's got family. And, you know, he's got, he still has a reason to live. He's got to go see his grandkid and to give the uh, the pendant that his wife wanted uh, the kid to have. Yeah. Um, so he has purpose still in his life. Um, who's left? Yeah, Martin and Nani. I I, I, want, I, I hope those kids, you know, get together or something. I, or at the very least, I'm sure that they are going to be, you know, they're going to know each other the rest of their lives. Whether they end up actually together together, they're going to know each other the rest of their lives and be the best of friends. And he's going to watch out for her. She might go off and do her, her and her brother were like, you know, free passage to just their plane for free. She might go off and do her little bohemian lifestyle thing. But she's always going to have Martin to come back to, and he's going to make sure she's safe. That's how I picture it. You know? Okay. Um, I think that's it. But yeah, so I think Rogo is the one, the one guy that that makes it out, but isn't going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. For me, there's that moment where they're they're seeing the steel being cut away, mm-hmm. blowtorched away, and the smile fades from his face. And it kind of fades from Mr. Rosen's face a little bit, too, but Mm -hmm. more so from Rogo's face because he realizes, I have to go live now. Mm -hmm. I just spent the last few hours surviving. Now I have to go live. I don't think he makes it. Like, I truly believe that character goes on to kill himself. I think think it gets that dark for him. I had that thought. I didn't know if I wanted to go that dark in this conversation. Sorry, I'll take it there. (laughs) Yeah, I can Um, see him taking his service revolver and, yeah. yeah. That's that's what I envisioned for that character, mostly because of that that sinking in look on his face of I don't want to go through that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to be saved. Um, I agree with you about Mister Rosen. Like he goes on to be like most doting grandfather ever. Absolutely. And he tells all kinds of stories about his wife to the mm-hmm. point that like the grandkids feel like they knew her. Exactly. Um, I think Martin and Nani went on to have 10 kids. <laughs> and I think Martin became a best-selling self-help book author called One Rung at a Time. <laughs> I love it. Yes. That is my belief. Susan goes on to uh, continue Reverend Scott's message of Ooh, fight for yourself. Interesting. I didn't think that. Yeah, because she had a little bit of a thing for Reverend yes. Scott. And Robin goes on completely unaware that he was in danger. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah so exactly. Dumb. Yes, I like that idea. I like the idea of her kind of finding her own calling yeah. and continuing the Reverend's work. I did, I did appreciate that's something we didn't mention. Uh, the Reverend it, is we are introduced to him in the beginning. He mm-hmm. is a, a Reverend, but he preaches a very different uh, gospel yes. than uh, than you might expect. He is, you know. God doesn't want quitters. He wants yeah. people that are going to fight for themselves. Don't don't sit around praying for something to happen. Go make it happen. Yeah, uh, that's how that's his his preaching. And even his friend, the chaplain's like, yeah, I don't know about that. You this know. is why they've sent you away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is why you're going to Africa, pal. Yeah. yeah. 
And yeah, he's he's and even at the end when he's turning the valve, he starts yelling at God. He yeah. starts practically cursing out yeah, God. What, what do you want? Yeah, he's you saying, know. "Stay away from us. Leave us alone. Mm-hmm. We don't need you right now." Right? Because we he, did this on yeah, our own. We got you didn't help. You know. Right. Every time we got closer, you took another life. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's a kind of a refreshing take on a character like that. Yeah, Cause, oh, sure. one because he's the leader; he's not the one who. You would almost think that Martin would be the preacher, with his meek kind of like, because that's right. that's how the chaplain kind of came off of. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna stay. I'm just gonna help them. I know we're gonna die, but oh well. And then you've got Reverend Scott of a screw that. We're yeah. getting out of here. Reverend Scott is the uh, you know he's the preacher that dons the boxing gloves down yes, at the gym exactly, yeah. and, and he goes and spars with a few people you and know. gives them a black eye if they don't keep their their yeah their hands exactly up. yeah. That's how he gets them into church. Okay, tell you what, we'll go three rounds. The winner comes to church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how he gets them in the pews. Yeah, it was really interesting. Apparently, that is uh the again I started watching a little bit of the commentary. And the, that is kind of a, the director's idea on mm. life is the what you hear the, the uh, Reverend Scott preach. That's the director coming through. Okay, that's him going to him like this is my idea. This is what I want. You know, this is what I think the Reverend. So that's where that came from. That's actually the director's kind of take on life is mm. fight for what you want. Do it yourself. Don't expect someone else or some deity somewhere to to, to do it for you. So like. Very interesting. But still believing in one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I like the the one line, God doesn't like quitters. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want quitters by his side. Right. <laughs> like, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those pray to God but swim for shore kind of people. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Well put. Especially in this se- uh-huh. in this setting. Absolutely fun film. And I, 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 it is not going to be another 10 or 15 years before I watch it again. Now that I've watched it again and just realized how much fun it is to just mm-hmm. sit down and watch i'm not sure my wife has ever seen it so i'm thinking oh, oh wow. we are gonna have to sit down and watch this together <laughs> that might be the last time i saw it i i made my wife watch it i was like you have never seen this we're watching it mm-hmm. and it is i mean even if it's kind of these films oh, i'm not really into that film trust me right you're gonna like this just film. give it time it, mm-hmm. it kind of sneaks up on you yeah well, that has been fun. I think that we've said all we can say. I knew this was going to be a big gush fest on you know, on this one. It was just going to be just you know, the two people just absolutely loving a movie, talking about it, and you know, I didn't and know hating how, Robin and hating Robin. <laughs> yeah, man, I. <laughs> Jaden yeah. Smith couldn't act that bad. <laughs> oh God, no. The next remake. There you go. We'll put Jaden Smith in the role. Uh, I think that is going to do it. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Poseidon Adventure or any of the films we talked about last time or any feedback in general. We'd be really appreciated. Uh, send that to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. You can go ahead and tweet us at uh, timeshifterspod and at movies at the mat. I got it this time. I remembered. Uh, and also uh, join our Facebook group. We're out there. Just go to facebook.com and search for timeshifters. That's going to do it, Matt. Thanks for uh, struggling through with a little bit of of your leftover sore throat. No worries. Uh, We will be back in a couple weeks. Uh, Did we discuss what the film we were going to talk about next time? I don't think we've completely settled on one. Okay. Well, we're going to have to. We'll we'll do that uh, off the mic for you guys, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with a. It's still being another disaster film. We got one more disaster film to go, and then we'll uh, we'll change subjects after that. But thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.